Morning, everyone. So today's Palm Sunday, and uh, in the passage that uh, we just saw acted out by uh, the kids, um, there's a part in that scripture that uh, that says that if these people, if the crowds don't praise Jesus, then the stones will cry out. And we also see in that uh, in the passage that there's a donkey who's never been ridden who serves who serves Jesus. So what do these things show us? These stones crying out and this unridden donkey serving Jesus. What do they show us? We also read in uh, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26, it says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the holy things of this world and the, dis- and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, may he boast in the Lord. Now, at the end of every month, uh, we, we are um, having a special service where we focus um, on ultimate questions. Uh, and this series is uh, is supposed to um really instill confidence in the God of the Bible, in us. That's what this is all about. And this Sunday, though, uh, we aren't focusing on a particular uh, question or a topic. Instead, we're going to hear someone's story now, to refer back to what I mentioned at the beginning, there um, in the in the Palm Sunday story, we we read about stones crying out, and we read about um, yeah donkeys who've never been ridden, who are used in meaningful service. And the question is, what does that mean? What's the link there? Now, for me, I am I'm a nervous stutterer who was who was called into ministry. And I'm now serving as the pastor of this church. And for each of us here, we all have reasons to maybe discount ourselves from ministry. But what we learn from these stones that God can cause to cry out, and from the donkey that that he can ride, is that he can use us, he can use you, he can use me. And so rather than saying that uh, we should not serve, instead what we have in the Palm Sunday story is a crowd of people shouting out, Hosanna, which means save us or save me. And that really is the start of meaningful ministry, saying save me. And so uh, who are we going to hear from today? Um, even though he may have had reason to write himself off, just like you, just like me, but instead he chose to become that rock, that stone that cries out. He chose to become that mammal that um, really carries Jesus with him out into the crowds. 
And my prayer is that through hearing Al's story, through hearing Al Brown's story, if you love Jesus, that you will love him more. And my prayer is that if you don't love him yet, that you, you, you will discover this Jesus, who is the answer to our ultimate questions. Now for me, Al is someone who is a living embodiment of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, which says this, You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Let's welcome Al. Good morning and welcome to Cornerstone. My name is Alan Brown and I'm happily married to my wife, Terry. I have three children, Angie, Lance, and Ryan. I was born and raised in Kempville and I want to share with you my life story and how God has always been with me throughout my life. Although I didn't follow him for several years, he was always there. I always took God with me. Some of you that know me may laugh or find this hard to believe, but I didn't start talking till I was five years old. My mom said I have made up for it ever since. I failed kindergarten and grade one, which meant that all through school, the kids were one or two years younger than me. I always struggled on how to fit in and try to be good enough. I suffered for many years with depression and anxiety. I was also physically abused by a teacher and had to go to court at a young age, and he lost his job. Reading and writing was a real challenge for me, and this carried on into my adult life. For this reason, I lashed out. I became a bit of a bully and fighting. And at the age of 14, I discovered a local pool hall where I became good at something. This started many years of gambling, where I spent long hours, sometimes 24 hours at a time, playing pool. This led to many other gambling things, like horse racing, casino cards, and etc. And drinking began when I was old enough. Even though I struggled through this period of my life, when I look back, I can see that God had his hands on it. At a young age, I had gone to Sunday school and Christian camps. And number one, I would like to thank my mother, who is a prayer warrior and still prays for me today. I would also like to thank Mrs. Prosser for being such an awesome Sunday school teacher. And Lillian Tusa, who loved kids enough to pick me and my siblings up on Sundays and bring us to church even before my parents started going to church. And I remember she told me that my legs were so short I had to crawl into the car. And I would also like to thank Fred and Diane Kirkpatrick also as my Sunday school teachers. And most of all, I would like to thank Reverend Marion Gilmer who passed in 1991 who was the pastor of our church at the time. Throughout my life, especially when I found myself in trouble, she would always have a listening ear 
and compassion for me. And I'm sure she spent many hours praying also. And to this day, I have two Bibles and a bell she used to have on the pulpit. And when church was over, she would ring the bell. And a half an hour later, she was still preaching. And at the age of nine or ten, Marion took me and my cousin and another lady on a trip to New Brunswick to see my sister and my brother-in-law. And I remember her praying for our salvation along the trip. That God would use us. And I think I gave my heart to God then. I left home at 16 and 18. I moved to out west. I got married at 21 and had my son Ryan. At one month old, he became very ill with pneumonia and a high fever. He also ended up with learning disabilities. But I think my struggles helped me to encourage Ryan to succeed. I ended up getting a divorce after four years and moved back to Kempto and continued this lifestyle. I was set up in a blind date, something inside of me, when I met my current wife, who had a beautiful five-year-old daughter, something told me this was the one to marry. And we were married in 1988. The first five years of my marriage was very rocky, and we fought a lot. Wow, this is hard. To the point of when my wife was nine months pregnant with my son Lance in a drunken state, I pushed her to the floor and she left for a few days. That's when I realized that I needed to change or I feared my second marriage would fail. Shortly after that, I began to attend the Free Methodist Church in Kempville by myself. My wife saw something different in me and joined me a couple of months later. Things weren't perfect, but they were different. God had been working in me. We still went to the bar on Saturday nights and church on Sundays. And one night in the bar, I heard a song being played. Going on up to the spirit in the sky, that's where I'm going to go when I die. When I die and they lay me to rest, I'm going to go to the place that's the best. And I realized without God in my life, that is not where I was going. That's when I stopped drinking. My sister-in-law, at the age of 39, was diagnosed with cancer. And very soon after, was admitted to hospital, and she was palliative. <coughs> she wanted to renew her wedding vows before she passed away. The church was right next door to the hospital, so we were able to wheel her over there and give her her wish. Shortly after, she became very ill, and her time was limited. My brother asked me to call our pastor to come over and pray with us. He came and there was about 30 family men, members and friends in the room. He read from the Bible and prayed. And a patient who became friends with my brother in the hospital asked, after the pastor had finished praying, if we could say the Lord's Prayer. And I was standing at the foot of the bed holding my sister-in-law's feet. When we finished praying and said amen, she took her last breath. The Holy Spirit was so strong in the room, and most of the people in that room experienced God in a powerful way. One of the nurses who was in the room says to this day 
that she will never forget the experience that day. And I remember immediately after telling my wife, see, I told you he's real. We had invited a couple to church with us shortly after he discovered he had cancer. And I have, I drove him four or five times to the cancer clinic myself. And one Sunday we had a healing service at church. He went to the altar and I had my hand on his back. When he was prayed over, I felt something different in his body. And when he went back to the cancer clinic, he was cancer free for another 20 years. And in 1990, we bought a restaurant in Kempville where I began to be obedient to God. I was so blessed to never have to open on Sunday. I didn't have much biblical knowledge, but I was very excited to see God was doing in my life. I began to share with my staff every Saturday night. I would say to my staff, see you in church. Many months went by with no results. Until one Saturday night, one of my delivery staff said, see you in church. He began to attend and continued to attend until he moved out west. And I would also share with my cook also. He told me his wife attended church, but he never did. And then one day, he told me that he was going to start going to church with her. And last summer, now almost 20 years later, we had the privilege of attending one of the most beautiful Christian weddings. It was my cook's daughter. One of the conditions she gave her husband to be was he had to become a Christian. And if you would like to talk to them today, they're also here. We had a lay pastor, Ken Thompson, do a sermon one day, and he painted a powerful picture that stuck with me to this day. It was an image of a man carrying a sack on his back and how, as we give our sins to God, the bag becomes lighter and easier to carry. This was such a clear picture of the process that God takes us through. That was the time when I realized that God refines us as we continue to walk in faith and obedience. And I also worked with Kenny at KBC, now Rona. <coughs> and he would often brought God into the conversation at work. This was great encouragement to me. And there was a lay pastor who later became our pastor, Dan Massey, at the church who I became friends with, and he invested in my life for many years by meeting with me and sometimes a few others every Friday night for Bible study. And he encouraged me, and I would like to believe I encouraged him. It was Dan and Ann Massey who reintroduced me to Wesley Acres, a Christian campground that I had attended as a child. This is a free Methodist campground in the Picton area. It has 200 acres of land, which has room for about a thousand people to camp. And after we had sold the restaurant, we bought a trailer on site at Wesley Acres and began camping there on weekends and holidays. The camp knew that we had owned a restaurant and they asked us if we would be willing to manage the dining hall at the campground, not once, but twice. And I said, no. And it wasn't until we spent some time in prayer 
that God convicted my wife and me at the same time. We accepted the position, we quit our jobs, and moved with our 12-year-old son and our 21-year-old son. We began to see many changed lives while we worked there. During family camps, they would put up a tent that would hold a thousand people. <coughs> One of those God moments was when our 21-year-old son was baptized in Westlake by Dan Massey. And I remember a night when my 12-year-old son was to be home at 9 o'clock and he wasn't home yet. My wife was upset at him and set out to look for him. She came back shortly after, as she had seen him through the window of one of the rooms in a building on the campground, praying with a bunch of young people. How can you get mad at that? And one gentleman we met really stands out. He worked almost every day in the maintenance department, volunteering. And he was in his 80s. And he said to me, Alan, I don't have money to give, so I give of my time. That stuck to me like glue. This has encouraged me to volunteer my time whenever I can, because I'm not rich also. And there, there was a church in Toronto who used to bring people to a retreat as part of their discipling process. In one particular case, there was a lady who shared with my wife that her Muslim husband had only come because he loved to fish and was told there was good fishing. My wife told me about this, so I took the man on a tour of the campground to show him all the fishing spots. And that evening at supper, I asked, what they were doing that evening. And he told me he had to attend church with his wife. And why don't we come? So we did. And after the sermon, the pastor asked if anybody wanted to pray. And I prayed what I thought was a simple prayer. God, I thank you that we don't have to change everything all at once. But you allow us to change as we mature. We went back to the kitchen as we had to prepare a snack for the group. And we found out in the morning that he had given his heart to the Lord. And in a testimony, he said that what that cook said made sense to him. And three, three or four months later at Christmas, I called him to see how things were going. And he told me he was still following God. And after four years, we moved back to Campville, and shortly after that, we started attending Cornerstone. God continued to put good mentors in my path. And I would like to send out a huge thank you to Pastor Craig, who I became good friends with, and I looked up to as my mentor. And I feel God has brought me so close to him while attending Cornerstone, where I really begin to understand my salvation and God's will for my life. And I believe God has given me the gift of evangelism and what a privilege that is. I began to go to Tuesday night prayer group where I was encouraged to pray and really began to believe in the power of prayer. We prayed for many things and the results became miracles. And I can just think of a few in Gord Scarf, Tori Wilson, Gord Chambers, and many others. Now prayer is such a huge part of my life because of my belief. 
And I became an auctioneer in 2004, not knowing that God was going to use this for his glory. And I have done several charity auctions for the hospice and really blessed and honored to do the auction for Tori Wilson, which generated a lot of money. This made me realize that God has all the resources. I may not have the money, but there are lots of people who do, who want to use their resources to bless others. And God has used me to uncover those needs and express them also. I am amazed at how little we have to do to accomplish a lot for God. And my daughter approached me three years ago to do a Christmas Day dinner for the community. This has become a family affair. But years ago, when we had the restaurant, we used to do a community dinner on Christmas Day, and she had fond memories of the impact that that dinner had and wanted to show her kids how to give back. We do the Christmas Day dinner that has served up to 150 people inside and many more deliveries. And we always have leftovers in the freezer without even spending a penny. <coughs> and also, I went last spring with the Salvation Army to Constance Bay to assist in the flooding. And once again, God blew me away with his resources. There were so many volunteers and I worked in the kitchen where we fed about like, like a thousand people with all donated food. Food kept coming in every 15, 20 minutes. I was loading the front of the trucks with food while the trucks were being loaded with sandbags in the back of the trucks. When, when we left at the end of the day, it seemed like there was as much food left as there was at the beginning of the day. And I remember I shared, no, remember, I shared about my inability to read. The amazing thing is that when I began to open and read my Bible and started to read it regularly, God did an amazing thing. And to me, it's a miracle. I can now read. And I read books on a regular basis. I began reading a book called Multiplying, Disciples Making Disciples with Francis Jan. When I got in about three pages, I heard God say to me, don't finish this book before you start teaching it. And I said to my wife, with a great aid education, what am I going to do now? So I called Calvin at the Salvation Army and said that I have a book and we need to do a Bible study. There was between 7 and 14 people at the Bible study each week. And one chapter in the book was called Going Global. And I thought about it, what little resources I had. And some of the people in the Bible study were in the same situation. How can we make a difference? Well, World Hope was looking for donations of $12 per chicken for Ukraine, I think Ukraine. And I suggested that maybe we could bring $2 a week for the rest of the study. And it ended up that we had enough money to buy 20, 25 chickens by the time the study was done. And it helped me realize that God cares for all. And I have also been able to help out with the food bank in Kempville. God said, if they are hungry, give them food. The food drive at Christmas is amazing. The Free Methodist Church in Kempville delivers empty bags 
to all houses in the township one week, and a week later they pick up the bags that are full. They deliver them to the Salvation Army, where somewhere 1,800, 2,000 bags are sorted by volunteers. And I remember the first couple of years, Ron Leeson and I did 90% of the sorting. We're there like every day. Now it is so much more organized than many groups, including youth groups, in the sorting. This food drive supplies the food bank for almost the year. It's amazing. Amazing. People want to give. You just have to give them the opportunity. Last year, the campaign, the Christmas kettle campaign, raised like $72,000. When I moved back to Campbell from Wesley Acres, I opened Al's Used Furniture and Auction Service. This gave me an opportunity to share God in many ways. I met so many people who were hurting. Whether it be through divorce, sometimes needing furniture, or through a loss of a loved one. What do we do with grandma's stuff? What do we do with mom and dad's stuff? I only had to lend an ear lots of times. But God worked through me to be to be able to give away furniture when I saw someone in need. And one particular story is God allowed a young single woman of two to move across from our store. This allowed us to show love and support into her life. She now has four children, and my daughter went with her for the third child, and my wife attended the birth of the fourth child. We have seen such a beautiful change in the life, in her life, and she now gives back whenever she can. She became like another daughter to me. Another time, I received a call that a lady was in need of a hospital bed, and we had been given two beds with instructions to bless others. When the lady called, she said she lived in Ottawa, and I said I wasn't really able to deliver them. She said, that's okay. I have family that could come and pick it up with a truck. And within 15 minutes, my wife received a text message from her brother stating, I'm supposed to pick up a hospital bed for my wife's sister. This is a small world, especially when God is in control. And we also received a chairlift for the stairs. Again, we knew a lady who had a stroke and her husband was looking for one. The man cried when we told him it was free. And I could go on and on and on and tell you many more incidents where God allowed me to bless people. But Dan told me I only had two hours up here. After 14 years of owning the store, I discovered bladder cancer. So the decision had to be made to close this, my furniture store. Through prayer, I had total peace about this decision, except, except I wondered, how could God work through me without this door? How can I continue to bless others? Wow, was I wrong. God's plans, like I said, is always perfect. This resulted in me having much more free time to volunteer. I couldn't believe it when I got a visit from the mayor telling me I was to receive the Volunteer of the Year Award for helping the less fortunate. Well, praise God. 
It was walking through my cancer experience that I fully realized the value of prayer and the importance of having a group of people like the men's Bible study I attend at Ralph's. There is no way I could have gotten through this without these godly men, which to me are disciples. I also had the opportunity to pray with two nurses while at the hospital with my cancer. From the time I was diagnosed with cancer to my first surgery was one month. While I was checking in for surgery, my phone rang and it was Walmart where I had applied for a job. And I said to my wife, take this call, take this call. This was on a Tuesday and Walmart asked me if I could go for orientation on Friday. And I said to my wife, yes, yes, yes. And that was my starting date for the new mission field God opened up for me. I have been able to share with the employees the God experiences I have had. I feel I have been placed here to share God's love and compassion with the people I come in contact with. And I know this is God and not of me, but I received the employee of the year for integrity, compassion for others. Going forward, what do I want to change? I don't want to change the things Alan thinks needs to be changed. I want to change the things that God requires us to do, to become more like him. I believe God wants me to read more scripture, to seek his face, to pray about all things, to ask the Holy Spirit to intercede, to ask the Holy Spirit to help me to understand my role in God's will, to fully understand the power we have through the Holy Spirit. <coughs> now I'd like to read some scripture, and the first one would be from Mark 8.34. Then he called his disciples and crowds to come over to listen. If any of you wants to be my follower, he told them, you must put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross, and follow me. Galatians 2 verse 20. I myself no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So I live my life in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Also 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. And all of us have had that veil removed so that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him and reflect this glory even more. Now I'd like to read the commentary in the bottom of my Bible with this same verse, 318. How have we been crucified with Christ? Legally looks at us as if we had died with Christ because our sins died with him. We are no longer condemned. We have become one in Christ and his experience are ours. Our Christian life began when in unity with him we died to our old life. In our daily life, we must regularly crucify sinful desires that keep us from following Christ. Yet the focus of Christianity is not dying. 
but living. Because we have been crucified with Christ, we have also been raised with him. And legally, we have been restored with God and in our daily life. We have Christ's resurrection power as we continue to fight sin. We are no longer alone for Christ lives in us. He is our power for living and our hope for the future. And leading up to Easter, I want to continue surrendering myself image to become the image of God so when people look at me, they don't see Alan, but they see God. Amen. Thank you.